Hey folks, today's episode's once again brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook and a 30-day free trial by going to www.audibletrial.com slash epicfails. Epic with a K. Editor's Note This episode was recorded back in January 2021, unfortunately, because Eric is really bad at time management and gave himself too many projects he had to hold off on editing this one. Also, Chris forgot to plug in his headphones while we were recording over Zoom so shenanigans happened. Long story short, it's on brand as usual. Sorry not sorry. For the record, Corey, Japanese whiskey sounds awesome right now. Yeah, this stuff's really good. It, I'm a big rum fan, and I'm normally into Same. that like 10-plus-year-old rum. And this reminds me a lot of the rum that I like. Awesome. Um, is it uh, – you drink it straight or is it a highball? Uh, straight. Okay. It's... Have you ever had like a good Japanese cocktail highball? It's delicious. I have not. <laughs> I'm trying to find it's what just- it is is okay it's easy to find um it's uh nika coffee grain whiskey oh okay that sounds interesting yeah so coffee is apparently how it is brewed it is not actually coffee um the coffee is c-o-f-f-e-y named after the guy who invented this type of brewing oh Oh, it's called a coffee still um yeah the guy invented the coffee still yeah it's actually what they use in traditional scottish scotch yes because the guy was telling me, he gave me this like wild breakdown where I guess all Japanese whiskey is their version of Scottish whiskey or something like that. The, I guess the Scots were the one who introduced whiskey. I forget the story, but it was really wild. Um, like Japanese whiskey has stories to it. I'm Eric Slater. I'm Chris Carroll. And this is Epic Fails of History. A podcast that delves into the most epic fails of um, history. Now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. The only thing we have to fear is fear When the president does it, that means that it is not illegal. Epic fails. Just because you fail once doesn't mean you're going to fail at everything. Marilyn Monroe. Uh, uh, so, how's everyone's uh, 2021 so far? We survived uh, last the year. Still dying. Nothing got <laughs> magically better when the calendar turned over, like we were all kind of hoping it would, but. We'll see how we're doing in a month or two. Fingers crossed. It's been good. I've gotten busier in ways that I wasn't expecting and didn't necessarily want, but you know, (laughs) I'm alive and I'm not going to complain and I have whiskey. So (laughs) hopefully some of that isn't the 60 podcast projects I, you know, (laughs) signed you up for. (laughs) (laughs) No. No. Yeah. No, that's understandable. <laughs> yes and no. <laughs> so welcome back to Epic Fails of History. Uh this is episode twenty-three. We're kicking off season three today. 
And today I'm joined by my frequent co-host of Comic Zombie fame, Chris Carroll. Hey, hey. Uh, we have Justin Aki uh, returning once again. Hey, how's it going? Definitely check out our uh, episode on World War One way back on episode three. Uh, it's definitely, definitely been way too long. I still and, remember those postcards. And last but not least, we have Corey Torgeson. Yo. Uh, he was uh, actually featured on episode 18, our Earth Week special, and he's the host of the brand new podcast, The World is My Burrito, where, you know, he talks about manga, all things kaiju, and everything in between. So yeah, you can also hear all four of us uh, talk about the Bond movies over on this season of Podcasters Assemble. And today, we're talking about the French Revolution. But first, we have a new segment. I guess I'll probably put in like a little sound clip. I don't, I'm not really sure yet. <laughs> Random tales of fail. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So I learned about this while actually doing research for what became my very first episode of my podcast. Um, but it was uh, Mao Zedong's great leap forward plan, which was also called the second five year plan that only lasted three years. Uh, so you can probably guess how well that went. Really well? Yeah, very, very <laughs> well. They did so well, they could just shave two years right off of that. But there, it's kind of funny learning about the French Revolution. There are uh, a lot of similarities with the exception of the revolting. This is kind of probably the beginning stages of the French Revolution. But Mao Zedong had this wild plan to kind of skyrocket China's productivity for agriculture and at that time steel this is in the 1950s 1960s so uh yeah he basically needed um a ton of people to go on his side in order to get approved to this plan and he talked to the peasants and put out a bunch of propaganda and the peasants were like you know yeah man we like this guy we do whatever he wants and this this is one of the wildest like immediate changes. So he gets approved to do this. Um, and immediately they start doing mandatory agricultural collectivization. So private farming was banned. Anything that you farmed went straight to the government. They developed people's communes. So essentially living was banned, um, even to the point of like private cooking was banned. If you cooked, it had to be for the people. That's nuts. Um, yeah. So they were... Increasing grain exports as kind of this like facade of wealth. They were limiting, like restricting what people could actually eat. People meaning like the real humans, not the lizards who were pretending to be people. <laughs> um, but like actual humans like you and me would be limited on what they could eat. And then there was this massive stockpile of some 22 million tons that went into state granaries in case there was ever a famine. So as they're collecting all of this food from farmers, essentially in like a way to sort of impress Mao, they were taking more than what they should have. They're like, oh, look, our farm can actually give you a lot more than what we said it could. So that ended up leading to uh, the farms themselves not having food. So anyways, all this stuff happens very much like the French Revolution the regular people and even the peasants who are now kind of on the same level are upset. They are literally writing letters to, you know, nationals and the nationals are like, no, 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 there's, there's not a famine. There is no war in Ba Sing Se. <laughs> and yeah, it, uh, it turned into just this wild, this wild show. And at the, one of the last things is uh, when they finally admitted that there was a famine, Mao blamed the peasants 
for stealing it, even though they were also still hungry. Um, so it's this beautiful Jeez. circle of Mao requiring the peasants to make this thing happen. And then at the very end saying, oh, the peasants did it. And then yeah. like two, three years later, this guy starts the cultural revolution in China and was basically like, I did nothing wrong. Like, hey, guys, you got to <laughs> feel bad for me. Uh, it was everyone. Where have we heard that? Yeah, before. that sounds yeah. really, yeah. really familiar. But uh, this resulted in like tens of millions of deaths. So, you know, yeah, the it's, slight difference. Yeah, Not it's, to go it's too much further into it, because this topic. should be a whole episode on itself. I do remember reading that they actually gave away their seed grain, too, to show how much well they were doing. So mm-hmm. they didn't even have enough to plant for the next crop season. Yeah, the whole thing's a cluster. It's Mao's up there with Stalin, for sure. So, yeah, it's, it's, yeah it's, it's, it's worth looking into. It could definitely be a whole episode because it keeps expanding and expanding the more you read into just this one like three year point of history. I think that's a case of, you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. And I feel like as we're about to dive into the French Revolution kind of had a similar problem. A lot of people that were behind this event, they had, you know, pie in the sky, you know, dreams for what they were trying to achieve. And that's not at all the way it went. It happens a lot when you have overthrows in power, generally because the people that do the overthrowing or then like, uh, now what? They don't have a plan for after. And that's catastrophe. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think it's in its own way, it's kind of like a balance, which this, I think, is a pretty solid example. What we're going to talk about is the people just saying, you know what? We're tired of tired of being screwed over. Let's screw back. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. if it wasn't for that, it would not have worked its way out because they would have just continued being oppressed. So it was one of those someone somewhere needed to find a means to appease the people. Well, I mean, you know, there's always a breaking point, you know? Yeah. Funny, I remember reading about a lot of this stuff in like high school and college. Reading about the French Revolution and everything in that whole era and all like the horrific violence and torture techniques and everything that have come out of France over the years. Growing up always shocked me when I was reading about it like in high school and college because the stereotype for France here in America is that they are pushovers. You know, uh, just because their government surrendered to the Nazis after they got the shit kicked out of them. But like... Most Americans don't even know that the French resistance was the strongest, like, most uh, tireless resistance in the war. Oh, without a doubt. The the French people are hardcore as shit. It's their government that's a little, like, floofy. Yeah, I mean, look with the stuff that I've been learning just today while doing research on this. um, Well, I mean, honestly, we're going to talk about her. Literally the worst person was um, uh, Marie Antoinette. Totally. It's like, yeah, Yeah. she was floofy. We'll definitely get into that. In all fairness with her... I mean, she was taken from her homeland and like had to just deal. So wasn't she like a her child homeland of Austria? She lived with Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> <laughs> so this all started in the late 1700s. Uh, we have the Bourbon monarchy is in power. Uh, we have King Louis the 16th 
and Queen Marie Antoinette, who later would become known as Madame Deficit. They rule from the Palace of Versailles, which was a, get this, 2,300 room, gold-plated, 67,000 square meter estate of just pure excess. This place was massive. It was like a whole theme park just for them. How much How much does it go for an Airbnb? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's literally like 10 Biltmore estates. I mean, it ex- it still exists. Um, Jeez. You know, it's the place is massive. It's it's something else, you know. Quote <laughs> documentary coming to America. You got money and you got money. <laughs> exactly. I think one of the big factors that led to pure chaos, the, the you know, the revolution breaking out was that France was separated into three classes. You had the nobility, which were basically the one percenters, uh, the clergy, which is the church, and then the third estate, which was like everyone else. Basically, the smelly peasants. Oh, <laughs> and... Chris, that's you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so the people at the top, they like lived in their own world. It was like a bubble and they had no idea that what it was like, like for everyone else. Pure ignorance or or it was, uh, you know, just don't look at it. Well, yeah. it was also like a literal um, distance because one of the things I was watching mm-hmm. was um, Louis uh, – like had no idea this was really happening. People could talk about it, um, but they were so far away that they literally couldn't see it. I mean, yeah, imagine the being was... yeah in a sixty-seven thousand square meter estate. <laughs> yeah. You could get an exercise walking from one side to the other. Yeah, what and is this... the point of going outdoors to yeah. even look at your city, let alone leave the city to look at what's happening around it? And if you look at portraits of this guy, this guy did not get exercise. Like, no. at all. <laughs> Good to be the king. You know, they just were naive to the situation. To oh. break into the third estate, don't forget also, these the people actually part of the third estate showing up to the uh, the proceedings of courts and stuff. Mm-hmm. These were the top of, this is like the middle class. This isn't even the people doing the work, too. Yeah. So, I mean, the third estate was the, third the estate, whole rest of the country. <laughs> yeah, that even that has classes within it. Yep. So after the Seven Years' War and, you know, of course, the American Revolution, France was in economic freefall. So while the wealthy were raising taxes, they were partying it up, uh, the commoners were literally starving in the streets. The economy was so bad at one point that a quarter of all women were involved in prostitution, which that's crazy if you think about it. Who was paying for it, though? I mean, if the quarter of the women are in prostitution, was it the rich paying to go slumming i mean that's actually a legitimate question right there probably the clergy yeah the clergy (laughs) damn uh, and it's because those who can make a buck are spending it and so as long as you have like thousands upon thousands of people who've got an extra seven bucks a month lying around yeah i could i could definitely see something as you know minimal as uh like prostitution being that big of a thing because anyone yeah anyone who has an extra franc lying around is like heck yeah like (laughs) even in modern times we can relate to that i i think you know the quarantine has shown that you know whether it be viewed as sex work or uh, you know sex work adjacent um it can do very well in times of just no money or limited income for other people. It's like, should I buy this loaf of bread for my kids or? (laughs) Back then, I mean, you got to think, okay, so if you're prostituting yourself out, that was actual income that you were not tied down to where you live because the one percenters were landowners. They owned all the land. There was no private land except what they owned. So if you were a farmer, you paid rent to be working on that farm. Or if you lived in the city, someone else owned your house. Nobody owned things. 
So if, if you could, you know, give yourself away for some cash, that was the cash you got and you didn't have to pay some dude rent for it. During all this, uh, a dude named Maximilian Robus, Rob, Robespierre? Rob, Rob, Robespierre. 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 That's not going to work it. here anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it was like on the tip of my brain. I was Maximilian like, Robespierre. Robespierre. Uh, so this guy, he stepped up as the leader of the third estate, and he started demanding that the wealthy pay their fair share of taxes. Once again, sounds a little bit familiar to, you know, current events. So after ignoring uh, their pleas, the courts locked out the third estate. And so they literally held a meeting in a tennis court outside the courthouse and wrote their version of a Declaration of Independence. And they called it the Tennis Court Oath. Doesn't quite have the same ring to it as the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> yeah. What if they had one of those giant chess boards out back? Would it have been like the Chess Court Oath? Like That actually sounds cooler. So from my understanding, and again, this was literally from just doing some stuff today, the Tennis Court Oath specifically was an agreement that the people of the third party would continue basically to bug the ever-loving crap out of you know the, the clergy and mm-hmm. uh, the royals. Until they got what they wanted. Yeah. So yeah, like basically. their their independence thing was later. This was their agreement to just be right bastards to people. Yeah. You know, yeah. Until they got like freedom, until they could get their own declaration of independence. Yep, exactly. This is sort of the preamble to all that. But yeah, you know, considering all of this, Louis, you know, instead of, you know, trying to appease the people or listen to their demands, Louis decided to call in the troops from abroad. And within days, 30,000 troops surrounded Paris. That sounds like a good use of, yeah, great use of time and money and the food. Yeah, it's it's just it's it's really insane. Like you're trying to deescalate things. I, I don't know if martial law is really the right move here, you know? Well, we know where all those prostitutes were going. <laughs> <laughs> Making good money inside Paris. So uh, a couple of years ago, I was on a cruise with my family, summer cruise. Everyone goes on them. We learned the trick uh, July 4th. Nobody sells, celebrates it overseas. So it's a great time to travel. But for some reason, we couldn't get a July 4th cruise. So we took one the next week. Uh, we end up going to St. Martin. It's a half Dutch side, half French side. And it's a great island. I love it. I've been there multiple times. I would. I almost had my wedding there. It's fantastic. Uh, but we take the bus over to the French side because it's good shopping and great beaches. Get out. No one's around. Everything's closed. And they say, oh, it's Bastille Day. Damn it, I'm American. I came to the <laughs> islands to spend money, people, and drink. What the hell is this crap? Yeah, no, a tiny little island in the uh, Caribbean celebrates Bastille Day because they are a French colony. So that's just a fun little story I have from travels. That's nice. pretty cool. Well, next time you need an international calendar. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, in my defense, I was like 15. That's no defense. You'll be American. My dad's all stoked because today's the 4th of July. He woke me up at dawn to take a loyalty oath. Ugh. My mom's French, so we only celebrate Bastille Day. Well, we could do something fun. Um, how about a beach party? Oh, great idea, Lise. Yeah, I know where there's a beach. I know where we can get some baguettes. One of the other things I heard was, uh, so not only were they raising taxes, because I guess it was one of those where raising taxes clearly made the people upset. So then they decided instead of raising taxes, they will just add taxes. So they're like... 
Oh, you know, oh, you, yeah, you yeah, exist. Yeah. There's a tax for that. Oh, you've got, you know, windows in there in your home. There's a tax for that. You know, you've got so, a child. Hey, there's not, a tax for that. It's not 8% tax anymore. We're not, we're not going to raise it to 9%, but we're going to add five more 5% taxes. How about that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Basically. So they, they were taxing everything and just literally could not understand why the people were so upset. And uh, keep in mind that the clergy and the rich never paid taxes. It was only 30 party yeah exactly so only the farmers only the people who were breaking their back were the ones who were supporting paris or supporting france i think that is really worth noting that's an important factor so they're literally perspective and like physically and uh economically carrying the whole of france on their backs and this is like after the american revolution so like all that went down and they still thought it was a good idea which the French supported and Which, had yeah. our people. <laughs> yeah, talk about hypocrisy. Yeah, that was pretty messed up. Like when our revolution was over, we were going to be like, yeah, we'll help you guys out. And then when the time came, we we're like, we really can't. I mean, we're just new. Like, we should just not do that shit. <laughs> Sorry, I've got this thing to do. Yeah, it's like they helped us move. And then when it was their turn, you know, our turn to help them move, we we're like, ah. Oh. My truck doesn't work. I got a thing. I'm sick. My cousin's in town. My job's in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> My cousin's in town. <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, the funny right. enough, the French still appreciated us. And the guy who helped us out with our, our problem with the, um, when he came over and trained our people, he came back like 50 years or 40 years later to like tour the Americas again. Well, part of the reason the French Revolution happened was because people were inspired by what happened in the American colonies. You'll be back. Then you'll see... Wait, wrong revolution. Hear ye, hear ye. Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day free trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Today I want to recommend Daniel O'Brien's How to Fight Presidents. When I first got into writing about historic failures, I was a huge fan of the guys over at Cracked.com especially back when their show After Hours was the thing. How to Fight Presidents is hilarious and one of my favorite books on Audible. In fact, it was a pretty big influence in my decision to write about the American presidents, first on my blog and then later with Ben Thompson in our book Not So Great Presidents, which, FYI, just so happens to be on Audible. So, yeah. Anywho, to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash epicfails with a K. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash E-P-I-K fails for your free audiobook. Oh, and before I forget, all four Epic Fails books are now available on Audible, including Not-So-Great Presidents by myself, Eric Slater, and Ben Thompson. Huzzah! Hey there, siblings. I'm Stephen White. And I'm Lacey Finley. The host of Super Mega Crash Brothers Turbo. Ugh, it's a bit of a mouthful, isn't it? It gets easier the more you say it. Each week, we discuss all the big headlines in gaming. We also do game reviews, developer interviews, and retrospectives on the industry. All of this while going on multiple tangents about whatever strikes us in the moment. Hey, listen, did you happen to watch that TV show I recommended to you? Stephen Focus. Oh, right. Follow Super Mega Crash Brothers Turbo on Twitter and Instagram. And find Super Mega Crash Brothers Turbo wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Yo, this is Corey with The World Is My Burrito podcast, a.k.a. Twimby, a personal project where I educate my listeners as I dive into various pop culture topics that alter the world around them, yet somehow fell to the wayside. Do you know who almost single-handedly created the manga industry of today? 
Which major world event changed the horror film industry as a whole? How did comics affect the world's perception of nuclear energy? Journey with me to learn some random stuff. Joining me is Eric Slater. My name is Chris Carroll, and this is Comic Zombie. I freeze. I'm Batman. So, Batman kills a lot of people in this movie. Dude, he kills so many people in this movie. They had the Hal Jordan Green Lantern, but one of the alternates was the John Stewart Green Lantern. And they even did the animated voice. Yep, Uh, Lamar. Back when Stan was writing those books, they were 15 pages or 17 pages, and you get it done in one issue and you're out the door. Uh, Bendis took six issues to tell Amazing Fantasy 15. I'm just laughing as I'm saying it because it sounds stupid. Wasn't he designed by Jim Lee? And I love me some Walking Dead. I just feel bad for the poor bastard that has to ring that bell. It stares, bro. And I'm certain I'm not going to be surprising anybody with this one because I think this is universally recognized as the worst superhero game, much less comic book game, much less maybe even video game. Superman 64. Days of Future Past in the comic, everyone you know is dead. It's pretty dark right out the gate. Alfred may be a good butler, but he is the worst secret keeper of all time (laughs) we're gonna be talking about a lot of different stuff ranging from comics to movies to tv shows all kinds of stuff that we like that we don't like probably be a little bit more vocal about the stuff that we don't like Uh, i'm looking right at you halle berry's catwoman anyway uh comiczombie.net check it out and i hope you enjoy thanks wondering if there is actually pricing because i feel like this is just French prostitution what? history, but not actual. They what's weird? They have hours. What? They have the hours, <laughs> like the hourly rate, like days and hours of operation: uh, ten a.m. to six p.m. or eight p.m. in Paris, Monday to Saturday, closing during Sunday wow. mask and Holy Week. <laughs> Do you realize you just screwed up your search history for a long time? <laughs> yeah, you're getting put on all kinds of lists. <laughs> what are your ads going to be? Merkins? Uh, hot singles in my area, I hope. There's an app for that. <laughs> oh, uh, so welcome back to Epic Fails of History. <laughs> We're back. Thanks for listening to Epic Fails of History. Zutanol. Okay, so all of this built up uh, from the courts to the taxes, everything literally built up to a head on July 14th, 1789, now known in France as Bastille Day. So this is this is how it gets to be. It's they stormed the Bastille. Now, to give you some background, the Bastille was originally a big-ass castle in the middle of Paris that, that's been holdover for a long period of time. Uh, it's been used as a garrison. It was a prison. It was a storage center. It was it was the seat of military power in the city. And it was so pretty intimidating-looking too. This thing was big, right? Like uh, it was, it was, it was three to four stories tall. I mean, it wasn't. It, there was some stuff that was actually, believe it or not, pushed up against the area. Like it. Paris had grown up by this point. They were using wood structure, and they were they got it pretty well done. It was, I mean, Paris was a revolutionary city. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they didn't have the Eiffel Tower because they didn't come till metal. But you know, it, it, yeah. it had, the area has <laughs> skyscrapers also, were not a thing in the 1700s. You also got to think this FYI. was a brick fortress with cannonades and stuff. So when fires hit the city, it was never affected by anything. Mm, um, so yeah, this yeah. thing has been around for a while, uh, and again, see the power, a big resentment. Uh, there was overseen by Governor Day. Launay. He actually didn't work out of the fortress, out of the Bastille, but he did work with the people in the Bastille. Now, mm-hmm. keep in mind, giant castle, middle of Paris, used as a prison, so people already hated it. And there was, at the time, 
82 French, uh, they called them um, Invalid Day. I, I don't speak French, but they were the rejects of the French military. They were either on their way out, they were broken, or they were retiring. It's kind of like what the beef eaters are now, the, the people who control like the tower in London. Oh, okay. So these were the retirees of the military. And for some reason, they also had 32 Swiss uh, grenadiers in there. They were mercenaries that, uh, you know, Louis was like, hey, I'm going to need some extra help from professional soldiers. Uh, so th- <laughs> this thing had 114 people in this castle in the middle of Paris, guns pointed at the people, and it was holding seven prisoners in it. <laughs> so it wasn't <laughs> even like a fully stacked prison that they need to like get all these people out to help with the revolution. No, there were seven prisoners, including four forgers, one maniac, literally crazy person, a guy being held there by his dad. Uh, he, he had the king sign a little form saying, hey, put this guy away instead of send him to trial. And if they had come 10 days earlier, one of the, it would have been eight people, that being the Marquis de Sade. You know, the guy with the big, weird sex stuff, you know, married like his 14-year-old cousin. <laughs> shit. So, yeah. Oh, man, that's the There you go. So, I mean, it is a symbol of the French military and the French power, but it wasn't in actuality being used for anything besides gunpowder storage. Now, the governor mm. at the time did make the decision to pull all the gunpowder from outside storage areas and bring it back into the Bastille because he thought there was going to be a revolution. Well, <laughs> spoiler alert, dude, uh, you got raided. <laughs> so, <laughs> starting and that morning, uh, about... Two, 3,000 people showed up outside demanding that the soldiers give over their guns and arms and all that gunpowder, and everyone refused. There were some negotiations, people let in, and then someone shot, shot or died. No one really knows the exact what happened, but there was a small pitch battle, and I mean, you got to think there's uh, 114 people in this castle and like 18 cannons, so this should be well manned, but... Mm-hmm. They didn't really want to actually start a war in the middle of Paris. But the people who were riding set up a cannon in the park next door, aimed at this thing, and were just taking pot shots at it. (laughs) So there was was already a battle going on, and the the soldiers weren't fighting back. Delaunay originally decided, hey, you know what? I'm just going to blow up all the gunpowder. Screw you guys. I'm going to kill myself. I'm going to take all you out. No one's getting it. And then they finally stepped down, and then uh, he was let out, and then he was stabbed. And he, I think his uh, dying words were, uh, just kill me and get it over with. And someone killed him and got it over with. So <laughs> so starting that morning all the way through 5.30 p.m. It took a 1,000 people threatening to kill everybody for them to take it over. I mean, this is a castle. They could have lasted in there for weeks, but they didn't have the rations, the stores. Also, the Swiss were professionals. And they're like, uh, we're not getting paid enough for this. We, we were paid just to stand here. To be honest, like, take, take it back. not to make it too political, this is kind of like them rushing over the Capitol building. They literally just came in and then, you know, 12 hours took over one of the most powerful symbols of the French uh, monarchy. And then they tore it down brick by brick. The, the difference uh, being that they were a little bit more organized, had more of a well thought out plan and reason yeah. for what they were doing. <laughs> they got supplies from the armory too, because weren't they basically kind of, they still couldn't compete with um, the actual French military. So that was one of the reasons why they went here is because they could get gunpowder and guns. And Yeah. Now the, the armory itself was pretty lackluster. Again, remember the, the staff and the garrison itself was uh, the invalids. They didn't actually have a lot of firepower, but they had a lot of gunpowder. That's really what yeah. drew the revolution forward. The guns and even the cannon, they, they did take all the cannons and pretty much I mean, guys just walking away with a cannon. Uh, I mean, these are these are small cannons. They're they're mounted on the top. These weren't like the big you know thirty two pounders. These were two pounders. But uh, it, they were helpful. But it was the gunpowder that was the driving factor of taking over this garrison. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, not to say that recent events were necessarily a parallel, but just the imagery of what happened at the Capitol did kind of remind me of all of this. We've never really seen anything quite like that before 
Now, the French Revolution was, I mean, that's like what happened at the Capitol times 100. But yeah, you know, I just thought that was kind of interesting. Well, once they raided, yeah, I mean, I mean we like in our lifetime, we have never experienced a revolution in America. No, I mean, definitely several not. generations have gone by with nothing resembling an actual revolution. No. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's not that it's getting too political. It's just that this is the closest that, you know, you and I have ever seen. And I mean, I'm only like 30 some odd years in so you know <laughs> exactly yeah. oh uh one fact that did stand out to me because this was a castle made of brick that i mean the cannon made dents in it but it didn't do much because again a thick castle made of brick 98 attackers died and only one defender died and i think the one defender died, probably died of a heart attack again old guys so. <laughs> <laughs> did he tase himself in the balls first <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, you know, this is just, you know, pure chaos at this point. And eventually an angry mob forms and they decide to march on Versailles, on the palace itself. And that's where things really got ugly. The monarchy was basically forced to flee and they were later captured uh, and held prisoner. So but, you you don't have it in the notes, but uh, do you know how they were captured? I was going to ask the same question. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this so, goes back. Like we, we haven't really spoken a ton yet on Marie Antoinette. Like we have mentioned her. We, we mentioned the house, but not kind of the, the spite that the people had for her and why they had it for her. And that's fine. It was uh, honestly to the point where her own mother wrote several letters saying that she loved her, but dis approved of everything about her so yeah, imagine um hiccups dad from how to train your dragon it's <laughs> like you should change this so the reason why they were caught is because they're like oh crap oh crap okay so uh the peasants are here we need to leave we gotta go we need to get out right now so we're just gonna get a carriage we're gonna go like it's just gonna be a base carriage and we're gonna get you out and marie antoinette was like no this needs to be the biggest carriage we have. We need to have a dinner in there. It needs to be fully laden and fully dressed. So she got just the most luxurious stuff that they could find and left with it. And uh, yeah, someone saw it and was like, huh, well, that stands out like a sore thumb. Um, and that's how they got caught because she's so friggin' vain. That's not inconspicuous at all. <laughs> no. <laughs> Again, yeah, I, I do bring I up the of... fact that Marie Antoinette was married off at 14 years old, so she never had a chance to learn how to grow the hell up. Yeah, that's what I was. I, I she's basically a child bride. I mean, you know, a lot of the monarchy were married around that age, anyways, but they, you know, were generally groomed for that kind of role. Generally. Yeah. And when they weren't, a lot of times it was really bad. The more powerful that they were, the worse it got. In this case, you know, the monarchy of France, that's pretty powerful. The more I learn about her, the more I kind of feel bad for her because she did, just had no concept of reality. Yeah, I mean, you go into royalty at 14 and, you know, there are some negatives because she uh, came from Austria and like into France. So she still you know, barely had a grasp on her own language and was now having to learn, or she had a barely a grasp on reality in general and now had to relearn reality in another language. So there are some negatives, but, you know, to be honest, it was honestly more of like the parents just letting her do whatever she wanted and everyone just accepted it. Like you and me, I feel like if there were a ton of people outside of our house right now um, with pitchforks and, <laughs> yeah. you know, fire and, 
you know, Eric I wanted to does be like, live oh, in Green Cove Springs, they have both those it, things. It's very close. <laughs> so yeah, can confirm. Yeah. So Green Cove Springs, you know, if there are a bunch of people outside Eric's house and Eric's like, <laughs> oh, no, 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 I need to take, you know, my favorite history book with me. It glows in the dark and there's a giant Sims arrow <laughs> oh, that God. points down at my exact location. I would be like, no, we are not taking that. That is essentially what Marie Antoinette did. She's like, no, no, no. It has to be showy. We have to be visible. Put the fireworks on the top of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my favorite fireworks. <laughs> fireworks? Is Justin entering a casino again? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I get that reference. And if you don't get that reference, listen to our recent episode on Podcasters Assemble on James Vaughn's Skyfall. Good, good uh, callback right there. Uh, speaking of that Skyfall episode, the song at the end is brilliant. Oh, oh thank yes. you. Great credits to Corey and his <laughs> rapping skills. Absolutely hilarious. That was pretty amazing. If you like white people rapping because they were inspired by Weird Al, check it out. Good <laughs> Lord day, bitch! <laughs> Uh, so yeah, uh, Louis and Marie Antoinette, they tried to get away to, I want to say it's it was Austria or something. Obviously, they stuck out like a sore thumb. They got captured and Louis was forced to sign the Declaration of the Rights of Man. So despite some of the bloodshed and the chaos, the revolution was somewhat successful at first. During all this, there was a writer named John Paul Marat. I hope I'm saying that right. He was uh, He was like the voice of the revolution, they called him. And he convinced people that the solution to all their problems was simple, murder. He would uh, eventually call for the execution of hundreds over the course of the next couple of years. And he was later murdered, but then martyred, which led to, of course, further bloodshed. Following the uh, proposition of murder, which is always a good place to start, <laughs> uh, the September massacre broke out in 1792 when 1,600 prisoners were slaughtered by crazed revolutionaries. Any enemy of the revolution is made an example of, and uh, many of them were given show trials. And it was during all this, uh, just as the French janitors were presumably tired of mopping up all the blood, uh, a doctor invented an efficient solution to streamline this entire process, the guillotine. A doctor. And, you know, I just, I always imagine there's like this infomercial on primetime TV. It's quick. It's painless. It's clean. Billy Mays here. <laughs> Get Billy your Mays guillotine here. today. <laughs> Only four easy points of revolution. Act now and get a second one free. Uh, I will say the guillotine had an interesting science trick when someone was trying to figure out if someone lived after their head was cut, cut off. Uh, oh, I've heard of this. Yeah, yeah, you can look into it. But uh, so head was cut off, and the doctor literally stared at the guy's eyes, blink in confusion about like you know he was dead. So mm. it, it, <laughs> I'd have to look it up, but it's it's a pretty interesting story. Just Google guillotine stuff, uh, not on your computer or at work. Yeah, it's it's pretty disturbing stuff. Um, at the time, they saw this as a good thing. They thought they thought it was more humane than I guess taking an axe to someone's neck, which I guess makes sense. I mean, you could always miss. Seriously, as bad as the guillotine is, if you had a choice between an axe execution or a guillotine, I'd be like, D I don't even care if it's that sharp guillotine. The axe, <laughs> the, 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 even those giant executioners' swords and axes, they had to be as sharp as can be. And then even then, you got to think about all the tissue in your neck and your spine. Uh. To yeah. decapitate somebody with one shot. It's not like a movie. Like yeah. That's not like a, ooh, got it in one swing. A lot of times they'd swing too low, like get him in the back. Or swing too high, like get him in the skull. And it like, dude, there's stories of they taking like 12, 13 swings to get someone killed. Oof. So I'll, I'll debate you on this. I think if you said so the, the ones for the royalty, sometimes they really wanted the person to suffer. But you're talking about a professional guy who kills people. 
or you know, and also he cleans yeah. up the bodies. And he's probably shunned by the community, but it, this is his job. He takes it professionally. <laughs> the guillotine yeah. was set up by peasants to kill their overlords. They probably didn't get that head in the right position every single time either. So, yes, I realize that this thing is a giant blade way down. They pull the chain. But, uh, you know, sometimes you don't even get the mandolin working correctly on, you know, in your kitchen. So, <laughs> oof. I, I can barely use a slap chop. So the guillotine <laughs> wouldn't be out of question for me. Yeah. Corey, for the real. name is in the name. Slap chop. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes I just miss. What can I say? Exactly. <laughs> And uh, so this was this was kind of a symptom of like the Industrial Revolution. You know, there was a lot of things, you know, it was just they were trying to make things more efficient. And the problem is when you make executions more efficient, you can do more often. So it, it got a little out of hand. Of the guillotine. Oh, thank you. You know, half the time those things didn't really work. How was it, honey? Oh, they couldn't finish. Oh, really? Yeah, I got to go back tomorrow. Oh, well, I made cabbage for dinner. Yeah, that would be the ending to this day. During all this, Robespierre, who actually used to argue against the death penalty, he ended up becoming the guillotine's most outspoken supporter overnight. This is a, a 1984 type thing, because, I mean, once you start killing off people, you're like, well, I can kill this guy, too. I can kill this guy, That's too. That's the thing. Yeah, like yeah. one thing leads to another, and then you're just mad with power and, you know. Yeah. This guy makes the, you the wrong bread. way. Cut his head off. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. Uh, I will not sing much praise to Gundam Wing um, <laughs> because, as as a long-standing Gundam fan, but there is this very, very interesting conversation that I loved where Trey's Kushranata argues about why they chose mobile suits. And he goes through the history of mankind and it's like mankind used to use bombs and that's not beautiful. Like it's easy. It's mm -hmm. very easy because you're very detached. And he's like, there's nothing noble about using bombs. So that's why we use mobile suits because it is much more difficult. It makes the task of killing harder and also a lot more exciting. Um, so yeah, it's maybe like there's something the to be said of that though, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Where like the guillotine made things easy. So yes, there was a, a craze of power until, you know, one organization comes in and says, okay, yes to the killing, but no to the bombing. Yeah. Like it's just too haphazard and too crazy. I wonder if you could say the same thing about drones. Oh. Yeah. Though I, I feel like right now they're more used for like precision and less for just mass. Ideally. I mean, it's not like, you know, yeah. napalm bombing <laughs> Vietnam or Japan. Yeah. Those true. are more of like a, I, a precision thing. I can't wait till in the future. We, uh, we forsake global battles for wars of single combat, like in robot jocks. <laughs> yeah, I am all about robot battles, and Japan is 100% of the way there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they got that massive, what is it, Gundam? They have, Gundam? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They have a fully functional like a RX-78 two Gundam. That's nuts. That is operated by a man. <laughs> well, uh, back to the topic at hand. In 1793, uh, Louis XVI was tried and declared guilty of treason, and the sentence was death. After being walked up to the scaffold, Louis attempted to give a dignified speech of remorse, but was drowned out by the booing crowd calling for his head. Test the guillotine! Holy shit! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Uh, last request! Last request! What is your last request? Yes! Uh, Novocaine! There is no such thing known to medical science! I don't know about you guys, but I wouldn't want to be in that splash zone. <laughs> so following the execution of their monarchs, those in charge became increasingly paranoid. They renamed themselves the Committee of Public Safety and suspended the Constitution, abolished the Catholic Church, 
instituted a secret police and started rounding up random citizens for the most mundane of crimes, including but not limited to a lack of enthusiasm. Well, shit, we're all dead now. (laughs) (laughs) What does that even mean? Like, you know, a lack of enthusiasm for what? Support of the committee? Yeah, I guess so. Like, these guys just became extreme, you know? Gotcha. It's the um, live long enough to see yourself become the villain. So 100%. After the, yeah. After they yeah. got rid of nobility, they became the new uh, vision of nobility. So it's like, well, there's no one in charge, so we're in charge. Hey, let's do what the nobility did. Yeah, exactly. At first, I think it started out that they were trying to um, get revenge a little bit mm-hmm. on the nobility, and then it just kind of spiraled from there. It's so strange because you never hear of anybody who institutes a secret police abusing power. <laughs> right. <laughs> But I love the fact that they call themselves the Committee of Public Safety. Like, it's the least evil sounding thing, but it's the most malicious thing I've ever read about. <laughs> you, you don't act right. You're going to find yourself in an unsafe position here, buddy. Yep. Mm-hmm. So at this point, this is what historians term the reign, reign of, of terror. terror. Like, it completely got out of control. Yeah, this is, the, this is when you think of the French Revolution, this is what people are thinking about, is the reign of terror, where it was like, kind of like the Red Scare in the 50s in America, but like a million times worse. You know, someone was like, or, or like the witch trials. It's kind of like that. Like all someone had to just, oh yeah, he's, you know, seditionist or whatever. Like um, no evidence whatsoever. Like put him on up there, you know? Yeah. And it was, it was, so it was during this time, thousands were marched off to the guillotine. Uh, Robespierre, he just, he lost his mind. And he was quoted at saying during this time, uh, terror without virtue is disastrous, but virtue without terror is powerless. That's a super villain quote right there. Yeah. Yeah. Luther shit, dude. <laughs> but I mean, like, he was crazy because it's uh, over the I top. Mean, like you said, I mean, if he's a raving lunatic and mass slaughter is not bad enough, right? Robespierre yeah. also invented his own religion to replace Christianity, which Christianity was a main course in Europe at that time. It was either oh, yeah. you know, Orthodox, not Orthodox, or like a Hun or something. So <laughs> they were worshiping yeah. the. The goddess of reason. I mean, that's some Kim Jong-un shit right there. And then sponsored his own holiday, the Festival of Supreme Being. Yep. But wait, wait. on top of that, he added so much crap to the French. That, have you guys ever heard of decimal time? No. Decimal time no. was instituted this. They broke down the day into, how is it? Uh, the day is at 10 decimal hours, which each decimal hour is 100 decimal minutes. And each decimal minute is 100 decimal seconds. But it's not the same like time, like one second's not one second. It's not just doesn't add up that way. But they were trying to make it easier and more egalitarian. So it didn't mm-hmm. really matter. They didn't really have time zones at the time. But they really wanted to like break down like the reason. Like we're going to follow everything to, with math and science and law. And also don't – you have to listen to me or I'll kill you. So we're trying to make time metric. Yeah. Yeah. But metric time is a whole separate thing than decimal time. But yeah, decimal time was the start of – I mean, there's some crazy stuff. Now, the Chinese invented it, but the French ruined it. (laughs) Thanks, France. (laughs) We didn't ruin something for once. 
<laughs> I was not yeah. expecting ruined it. That was hilarious. So if all that's not bad enough, during these uh, festivities, this this holiday that he made up, Robespierre, this is not a joke. He symbolically descended from a paper mache mountain clad in angelic robes and proceeded to present a scroll with a new hit list of enemies against the Republic. <laughs> and it was during this that they literally like stopped him mid-speech and carted him off before he could finish reading it. So that is wild because that sounds very similar um not not exactly uh but there are a lot of similarities in that and uh sander cohen in bioshock <laughs> yeah in fort frolic um because there are a lot of people who are covered in you know what could be clay or possibly like paper mache and when you first meet him he descends from a staircase but he is extremely it's kind of much like this person sander cohen did not have to lose his mind in rapture <laughs> his mind was already gone in the real world uh, but rapture <laughs> yeah. and actually yeah god i guess there are a lot of similarities that could be um, a good metaphor yeah <laughs> yeah robespierre was not sane to begin with but this did not help. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, no, that's just kind of wild to read that. Oh, hey, the goddess of reason. Right. So that actually brings up one of the things that I did mention earlier that was not listed in here. The cult of reason. The cult de la Laison. So they took over a couple of different buildings. One of note in 1793, um, Notre Dame was damaged, plundered, and briefly converted by the cult of reason. Mm. Uh, who threw a party called the Fete of Reason, which, I mean, Fete is just party. Um, yeah. So there are uh, heads, carved heads that are in uh, Notre Dame, and uh, <laughs> the people thought they were supposed to be the kings of France, so they, like, destroyed them. I mean, they were just heads, so they, like, beheaded and smashed and whatever, um, but they were actually the kings of Israel, so a little bit of displaced anger. Wow, um, that's not. But they actually they took over a couple of uh, a couple of different areas, um, basically for giant you know lit fam parties. Mm, that's nuts. Yeah, you got to think of all the church property they would have taken over, much less the noblemen's houses. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of what kind of fueled their paranoia to kind of maintain control was that all of Europe was controlled by monarchs, so there was a lot of pressure on France during this time, and they really felt they had to themselves, I guess. And I think maybe that kind of pushed them to where they went with all this establishing, you know, control through religion and all that kind of stuff, you know, or at least trying to. <laughs> and not only that, all the monarchs were pretty much intermarried with each other. So if you mm -hmm. go to war with a country that's not yours, you might be into uh, a first world war type situation where someone be like, shit, yeah. that's my third cousin. I better go help him out because they might be coming for my head next. So yeah, they try to maintain control over their country and say, hey, no, we got control. Don't worry about the monarch. Don't we got control don't we won't piss you off don't piss us off so. <laughs> exactly so, think, we, we backed we were backed by them during the mm -hmm. revolutionary war and now they're doing their own thing so britain obviously could have stepped up to the plate but they are a sea away and this is back before you know they had the tube so during his captivity uh robespierre attempted suicide but failed so they actually helped him finish the job with his own guillotine so he's the one that kind of started it and he his life was ended by it that's so nice of them that's Being called so poetic thoughtful. justice it's exactly. the perfect gift of life. <laughs> <laughs> And then, of course, because of all of this, this all this chaos, it was during this time that a young general by the name of Napoleon Bonaparte, uh, perhaps you've heard of him, 
he ended up rising through the ranks and ended up taking control because just the situation was right for it, you know, for someone to step up. But that's like a hope that's a whole nother topic for another day. <laughs> that 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 could be like three episodes alone. Because it's three revolutions of itself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so another thing worth pointing out is that there wasn't just one French Revolution. There were several. So yeah, this is just the beginning. Everyone uh, always confuses this revolution for the one in Les Miserables, but no, no, no that's that was like, like the second or third. I think it was the third French Revolution. Then join in the fight that will give you the right to be free. Do you hear the people sing, singing the song of angry men? It is a music all the people who must be saved again. When the beating of your heart echoes the beating of the drums, there is So do you guys think that anything like this could ever happen here in the U.S.? Like to to this scale, I should say. We can only hope that someone overthrows us because I'm getting tired of everybody in all of our various <laughs> governments. Realistically, I think if... Like if the um, wealth inequality just kept getting worse, you know, because that's well, basically it, what caused this situation. I don't think it needs to be the... I feel like we could have an overthrow of a revolution of our own, but it doesn't necessarily need to be wealth inequality. It it could be perpetuated mm-hmm. by the wealthy, but I, I do think probably the best example, you know, specifically the events that happened on January 6th, that had nothing to do with wealth inequality. Yeah. It was perpetuation of kind of a, a false narrative. And that's all you really need, because I, I feel like the way that history has done things before, people are just finding new ways to kind of cause the same thing, mm-hmm. you know, the the long and the short of it's like people are being pitted red versus blue uh republicans versus democrats when it's like no we've actually got a lot in common with each other but mm-hmm. much like you know king louis there's a very vast difference between us and the people who are supposed to be helping us you know those who are in leadership but yeah you know you have one guy who took advantage of people who go on to conspiracy theory sites and 8chan. Right. Um, yeah. And they they eat it up. And like, I personally know at least one person who eats uh, two people who eat that stuff up, only one of which I know would willingly act. And it's just like, yeah, no, I, I can see this happening. It would it would take a while. I don't think we'll ever see it in our lifetime. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I never expected the events of the sixth to happen in my lifetime. So definitely who knows what wonders are in our future. <laughs> I mean, if you wanted to talk about places that, that we almost got revolutions, uh, go back to Occupy Wall Street, uh, go back to uh, the BLM protests. Like there's, it's not just right or left. It's, I think it would be some sort of inequity that never gets fully solved. And then you get, say, either majority of the states behind it or the troops behind it that would say, hey, you know, we've had enough of whatever our leaders are doing. Now, will we replace it with a straight republic again or will we try to go to some sort of uh, you know, commune society? I, that, that's something to be determined. But, I mean, I would say as part of I, – I participated in Occupy Wall Street and that was, what, 2009, 10 to, through 12 – so there's yeah I think so. people made their their voices known and it it was very popular with people who even didn't participate but you're gonna need that get that groundswell like say for some reason uh, student loans are not 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 forgiven but what's the if they say oh yeah no uh, we're bankrupt unless we collect them all so now everyone's in forbearance or something like that like 
that would be something that would really piss off over 60% of the U.S. population who have mm. student loans. So you're, you're going to have to have some sort of groundswell that more than half people are over it. Uh, you know, that, that you got to look yeah. at the, the dirty peasant class. So look, look to Chris first <laughs> well, and see what he likes. <laughs> you know, I think a lot of people have sort of um, – how, how would I put that? They Looking have sort at of life an, through rose-colored glasses? Well, they have an idyllic view of the American Revolution. And the thing is, the American Revolution wasn't a true revolution in the same way the French Revolution was. The American colonists did not overthrow the king on his land. You know what I mean? They became independent. You know, with the French Revolution, they literally overthrew the monarchy. They took over the whole country. So it's a little bit different in that way. And I think sometimes people don't really think of it like that. It's Well, yeah, I mean, it's significantly different what we did because when America declared independence, it essentially became, rather than a revolution, it became a war against an invading army or an occupying army. We were fighting on our land, on our home front. Right, you know exactly. <laughs> and and they had to ship supplies and blah 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 blah. That's a whole no, different a whole conversation. Between us, you know? Right, but it would be like if the American Revolution was, you know, we overthrew President Woodrow Wilson or something, and it was like President Craig, uh, whoever, like <laughs> yeah. you know, whoever happened to sit behind the seat in the Oval Office becomes president. You know, yeah. Dumb Craig. Thankfully, it's never been anything close to that. Although at times, it maybe it would feel like, sure, it would be nice if somebody would. I think if people are not together enough or not stupid enough to try it. Um, or maybe, hopefully, a few of them realize, like, I could do something about it, but I don't have any kind of plan. For, I have, like, one action planned out, and the rest I own, I'm winging it. You know, that's never, yeah, that's just going to be bad. All right, so I had a few trivia questions for you guys, if you're ready for it. Hit me. <laughs> All right, this first one's kind of a giveaway because we already talked about it, but what year did the French Revolution begin? Uh, let's say 1783. Any other guesses? Wasn't it like, wasn't it like 1787? 1789. <laughs> ah. Look at that. Close. So how many French revolutions were there? Let's just say five. That's a good number. Five. Any others? Any others? Lower or higher? Ooh. Um. Uh, I'll I'll say seven. I'm gonna stick <laughs> seven? with seven. Okay. <laughs> How about you, Chris? Oh, I didn't. Oh, sorry. Um. I'll split the difference and say six. <laughs> All right. So I think uh, I think Justin had it. You said five. Yeah. Just threw it out there. So the the real answer is it's complicated. It's actually four or five, depending on how many how you count it. The fifth one's kind of debatable, according to historians at least. And this is also not counting coup attempts. Uh, so you got the Reign of Terror, the July Revolution of 1830. That's the one from Les Miserables. How do you say it? Miserable. Oh, sorry. I literally just said it's, it earlier. Yeah, Miserable. Like, <laughs> Miserable. Miser yeah, sorry. <laughs> Les Miserables. Uh, I'm going to go ask Les my Mis. wife if she wants to watch Les Miserables. And then there's the 1845 Revolution. Uh, the Paris Commune of 1871 and the Free France Movement, which was actually during the German occupation of World War II. I feel like that counts. That's just me. Uh, I mean, it was a legitimate government that they had to overthrow. Yeah. All right. So following the events of the French Revolution, Napoleon rose to power and in 1804 declared himself this title. Oh, I remember this one. Uh, Emperor. Yep. Emperor of France. <laughs> that guy didn't have an ego at all. I think I learned that from Bill and Ted. <laughs> wow. 
so although it's commonly believed that Marie Antoinette was quoted as saying, let them eat cake, this is actually a mistranslation. What was the original quote uh, in English, that is? I'll let someone else go first because I think I got I listened to like 400 food <laughs> podcasts, so I think I got it. Was it not? Was it can't they eat cake? Not quite. Damn. Do you got a, do you got a guess, Corey? Yeah, I, I have no uh, guess. It was actually, oh, okay, so you got this. Let the, I think it's let them eat bread, but she was actually referring to a brioche style yes. bread. Yeah. So that's what the translation is cake. Yep, exactly. Right. So she didn't uh, mean like with frosting and shit. It's like a, well, it's like a sweet time, breakfast bread. Uh, I guess a modern translation could yeah, be like the let them egg. eat Hawaiian rolls. <laughs> yeah, it's made with egg and sugar. It's, it's a very fancy type of bread. At the time, uh, I mean, you realize that bread in France is very specific. You, to, to be a bread maker in France, you can only make a four type of bread, flour, wa- uh, water, salt, yeast. So there's no other ingredients you can do for it to legally be called bread in France. Oh. Anything else is a pastry. So when you do croissants yeah. and stuff like that, when they add sugar and shit like that, it, it is a whole different ballgame. <laughs> um, so at the time, other people, uh, bread makers in France, because of the poor uh, wheat production and because of mm-hmm. money, they were adjuncting their bread with sawdust and chalk and other Jesus. stuff like that. So she was like, so believe it or not, Marie Antoinette did institutionalize some reforms to get that changed. She uh, she petitioned her husband because of the poor. So that's when she's like, let them eat brioche. She was like, yes, let them eat the best bread. Let them have the what they want. It wasn't like have their cake and eat it too. Yeah. It was literally like, no, get, get them what they want. Because she'd already thought this was the same battle she'd been mm-hmm. fighting. Yeah, yeah. She just didn't get it, unfortunately. How many people were killed by guillotine during the entire reign of terror? Um... <laughs> uh... Uh, 5,000. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. What else we got? <sighs> 2,000. All right. What? One dollar, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you're all pretty far off. It was actually about 17,000 people uh, who were officially executed. But as many as 40,000 were murdered throughout the entire revolution and aftermath. What? Because they just leave it in the square and people are like, oh shit, we can just kill someone right now? That's awesome. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is also over the course of a few years, but still, it's, I mean, it's worth noting that's a pretty big percentage of that country's population at the time. Johnny, you don't go now they are guillotine, you're going to end up killing somebody. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, that's uh, pretty nuts. Hopefully we don't see anything like that in our lifetime. <laughs> well, we don't have guillotines, but you know. Hey, you can, you can go to Home Depot and make yourself were... one if you, if you're really inventive. Yeah, you know? I, I've heard you could build one. <laughs> Uh, for at least around six hundred dollars. Yep. So, well, I think it's about time for Chris's conspiracy corner. Ooh. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> conspiracy corner. So, thank you. If you want to talk about like something like flat Earth or something, that's, <laughs> just know, that's, that's pick a, a dumb topic one. and talk about yeah, it. Yeah, fair enough. Birds aren't real. Well, Birds aren't real is a good one. Birds aren't real is hilarious though. <laughs> what? Is that a thing? Yeah, you know what? Oh, that's, yeah. So Justin, that's people good. say birds aren't real, and they're all uh, cameras to spy on us. Yeah. So, like, the pandemic was them getting the birds home to change their batteries. Yeah. My wife thinks it's, like, the funniest oh, thing geez. ever. So, for uh, <laughs> I, I some like reason, it, though. I, I don't like know if it, it was an anniversary where <laughs> <but> I got <laughs> her a hat that says birds aren't real. And everywhere she goes, someone's like, what? what? And someone else is like, oh, that's awesome. You know? <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> I, I thought it was a like uh, it, people. I, some people believe it, but most people look at it as like a really funny, stupid, like yeah, hilarious, totally. like fake. So one of the things that we've talked about actually a few times uh, over the last twenty three episodes. Now that's crazy. A lot of times during our conversations, it becomes about kind of the conspiracies surrounding that topic, like you know the moon landing and stuff like that. So conspiracy conspiracy theories have been around as long as there's been someone 
with mental illness that can stand up on a box and scream news at people. People who are misinformed or ill-informed or just not informed, uh, you know, coming up with their opinions and what they think happened. And I think there's, there's plenty of that right now. And for all kinds of shit, going back, you know, to the... Really, I think it started in America probably most with Roswell. And then has just kind of that whole culture has grown since then. Right now, we're looking at the QAnon stuff, which is, you know... It's so batshit. Flat Earth Society and, Q, you know, all this crazy shit. So one of the, the main kind of driving conspiracies that QAnon kind of uh, was centered around originally, at least, or kind of where it came to prominence, I guess, is the idea that there's this, like ring of Satan-worshipping, pedophilia-driven elites, you know, probably all Democrats, who are in politics and media trying to, like, control everything and all this crazy shit, right? So the thing is, like, on these polls that they did about kind of the QAnon followers, 54% of people polled about it said that it was either true or they, they just weren't quite sure yet, which is really kind of terrifying. You know, it's basically half of, not just the people in QAnon they were polled, it was like Americans. So essentially half of Americans, or roughly, you know, 40-something percent of Americans at least, believe that it's either true or maybe it's true. They're just not quite sure. They need that last piece of evidence to prove it. You know, and another thing is like a lot of people in that same group believe, uh, I believe it was about 40% of them, uh, Americans at some point that were polled believe that there is a deep state minority working to undermine President Trump. You know, there's all kinds of crazy shit that they buy into completely. Now, either they actually buy into it or I'm sure there's people that are kind of in there stoking the, the flame just to see what they can make happen. But it's just misinformation. And anytime that there's stuff where people have questions and there isn't apparent answers or there isn't readily given answers, it's kind of like a breeding ground for, for conspiracies. Well, and what's crazy about it, too, is that like if you have an extraordinary claim you need some evidence to back that up right and they're like putting the entire burden of proof on others which is kind of insane you know that's not how that works yeah i mean it's it becomes where there's accusations made and you're being requested to like i don't know you can't even like defend anything there is no defense for it it's just it's like it's it's suddenly like a half of america apparently just believes it to be true without any kind of defense given or any kind of like rebuttal given it's just like no this is it you know and and there are certain influencers that they kind of follow the word of and uh, obviously at least right now for a lot of them president trump is a big one Mm -hmm. and i don't know man it just seems like the further and further we go along into this rabbit hole we've fallen into the dumber and dumber the stuff that a lot of these people will readily believe it it just it it gets ridiculous i mean it just gets absolutely ridiculous i think i think education is a big part of that you know like you know if you have an informed public they're not going to be gullible to things like that you know if like you have an understanding of history and at least a baseline understanding of politics and how that works like all of that is obviously not true you know what i mean right like i mean to me like uh, something that you know a good conspiracy theory is like you know the jfk thing because there's a couple different prevailing theories but there's not enough publicly known yeah. evidence to support one or the other quite all the way to like a conclusion so there's right. a lot of room for conspiracy the moon landing is fun although i do think it is kind of insulting but yeah. it is fun the russian moon landing is <laughs> false true. the nazi moon landing is true <laughs> that though. one They're still up there yeah. yeah i'm down for that they got two movies to prove but it. yeah i think i think it's worth pointing out there is like a spectrum of conspiracies here and there's you know a lot of things we can't prove you know and some stuff is completely harmless like aliens bigfoot like 
like who the f cares <laughs> like you know what i mean um and maybe bigfoot is real who knows but like that's not hurting anyone at least you know exactly that's just like a hobby right yeah, it's, yeah, it's, exactly. it's people who are searching for deeper truth or understanding or whatever for something that more often than not is probably nothing but definitely with this particular topic for the q QAnon group it's such a significant portion of people it's it's shocking to me how That's i mean even if it's yeah. a minority how large of a minority it is of people who just like willfully accept stuff that's easily disproven it, it's it's baffling to me and then they they can call it a conspiracy it's like screw you dude two plus two equals four is not a conspiracy there's evidence there yeah, a exactly. b c is not like well, what if x it's like no dude there is such a thing as reality come back to it right and and you know i i'm all for somebody trying to like you know peek behind the curtain or, or see the code of the matrix so to speak but <laughs> This is nonsense. This isn't even – I wouldn't even call this a conspiracy. It's just people being ridiculous. It's like the lizard people thing. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like it's laughable. But the problem is when so many people suddenly believe it, it's like this massive cult of personality – excuse me, this massive cult. I'm just going to call it what it is. Massive cult kind of sprung up overnight, you know, and it's just uh, it's just bananas. I mean, that's clear misdirection because Mitch McConnell is absolutely a turtle in disguise. <laughs> Watch out. You'll be disappeared. <laughs> 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 All right. So we're moving on to uh, this new segment. We wanted to point out uh, some epic wins of the week each episode going forward because I wanted to, you know, shed some light on maybe a few unsung heroes here and there. Yeah. So this is a clickbaity headline. And to be honest, it's still not 100% verified, but it's not been fully debunked. But in 1866, 80 men went to war from Liechtenstein mm -hmm. and 81 came back. <laughs> wait, so, wait, wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. 80? 80 left. 80 people. And they. And then 81 came back. Did did someone yeah. miscount? Yeah. Like <laughs> they picked up someone on the no. way back or. <laughs> so uh, this was uh, part of the 1860, 1866 uh, Austro-Prussian War, which I'm not sure if you've covered it before, but it's it was a dumb <laughs> war between countries who didn't need to be fighting. Liechtenstein, which is if you if you're familiar, is a very, very, very tiny territory. Within like Switzerland and bordered to Austria, it's like barely a country, uh, right? They sent it's yeah, it's barely a country. They sent their army, which is basically like the reserves of any other army, uh, to guard a pass between Austria and Italy. And then when they were deployed there, the the war pretty much ended. But they did nothing but sit around, drink wine and beer, smoked a pipe, and took it easy. The the rest of the war was going on around them. They just weren't near any any theater battle. Uh, and then when so they packed up and left, one of the Italians, although it could have been one of the Austrians they were with decided to join them, come back with them. So <laughs> not only did they not lose a single person, nobody died. Uh, they weren't even part of any kind of like battle to kill other people. They didn't kill anyone. Yeah. They brought someone home with them. <laughs> that's kind of awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's... So I, 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 we're, we're hearing so many negative things, but like, hey, you know what? Army came back with someone cool. <laughs> yeah, so. <laughs> that's great. So my choice for this one is Bessie Coleman. In 1921, she became the first uh, female African-American and Native American pilot and the first person of color to hold an international pilot's license. This was in the 20s. Like, planes weren't even around for 20 years at that point. Unfortunately, she did have to go to France to get her pilot's license, you know, because racism and misogyny here in the U.S. I think that's crazy that she went to get a, get a pilot's license, and probably when she came back, she probably wasn't allowed to pilot anything besides what she built or made, you know, bought her own. But yeah, she's a pretty incredible person. Definitely, uh, definitely read more about her. So yeah, uh, if you guys have any epic wins you want to you want us to talk about, you know, definitely... Uh, 
send those to us. Um, we're always up for questions, comments, corrections, or even hate mail. And speaking of listener feedback, we did get something from Rashid Dukes on Facebook. He said, uh, Vikings were brutal, but were they as brutal as the Mongols? Uh, I actually think that's a great question. The, the thing is, like, you could run the numbers just like just how many you know villages they pillaged or whatever you know how many how many mountains of skulls they right, built like how many people they murdered and whatnot it wow. depends what your qualification for the question is like what yeah. what are you defining as brutal like if it's like you know sheer like sadism i'm i oof, that's tough man that's oof. that's like would you rather be eaten by a shark or an alligator <laughs> right <Either> one sucks. <laughs> yeah i mean i wouldn't want to be invaded so by I either think... one let's put it let's you know start there but i will say both cultures as brutal as they were in warfare they also had they were also progressive in some ways like ahead of their time in some ways which is weird there's a lot of those like it's sort of a contradiction you know because uh the mongol empire had like freedom of religion and stuff like that and then with the vikings you had like there was much more of like an equal society between men and women and uh even you know uh they had the shield maidens like women you know fought in wars and stuff and so yeah both societies are about uh meritocracy too if you actually proved yourself it wasn't just based on lineage if you did good things you were promoted to do more good things definitely but i feel like as far (laughs) as the question goes this is probably more on the receiving end not the living there so i don't know i've I've definitely read some brutal things but i feel um i and i'll be doing more research on mongols Mm. here soon but just on surface level i think the mongols would be worse oh yeah um, easily there I'm with you are, i'm leaning yeah, towards mongols too honestly i yeah so the only like the only thing that i can say about vikings is um in in general like what we mostly know as mm-hmm. vikings they had a spat with the church yeah. so they would generally be more brutal uh when it came in relation to church yeah. Um, but for the most part, like you can find genetic material from where those Vikings mm. lived. Uh, and a lot of times the church would shoo them out. They would come back in and the Vikings would be like, this isn't worth it. We're leaving. Um, but like they would interlive with the people there. Uh, however, um, if memory serves, it was the Danish at the time, I guess, before they mm-hmm. were Danish, um, were the dark skinned Vikings. Um, and wherever they took over, there is no genetic material of their existence. There is historic material, but no genetic, meaning they slaughtered everyone. They ensured that no one was left and they established themselves in that area until they were forced to leave. Um, That's a good point. (laughs) So they're, they're, yeah, I am absolutely certain there were Vikings who were just ruthless. Yeah. Who were just absolutely horrible. Um, honestly, because they didn't have that much of like, government or like purpose for existing your average viking was traveling they were trying to expand um but these guys were very short-lived um but i think on the whole because the viking or because the mongols had an established military um i feel like they were when they conquered like most of the world i want to say like all of asia almost at one point yeah that's pretty nuts yeah they were only turned back because the death (laughs) of uh the leader yeah. i mean like they were gonna steamroll through europe yeah they literally built a mountain of skulls as a warning <laughs> to other people who did not give tribute yeah that's that's pretty brutal no, and wait, wait wait this is not a uh, oh my god we built a, a you know four-story tall no it was a mountain of a hundred thousand people outside of a village yeah yeah <laughs> that's 
Well, okay, so I'm definitely leaning towards Mongols, but I think another factor worth considering is that a lot of the horror stories come from, they're written by other people, especially in the case of the Vikings, because they, for the most part, didn't have a written language, at least for a few hundred years. Uh, from my understanding. So Vikings had written language. They, they just didn't, didn't, they didn't care. Record, sorry. Yeah, that's a good point. They didn't record yeah. uh, their history. I, right. There weren't any libraries. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, a lot yeah. of the stories they had have Bluetooth, about concern from other cultures. Yeah, they did have Bluetooth. Yep. <laughs> All right. So I think that's it. Uh, thank you to everyone who wrote in for this episode. And as always, feel free to write us on social media to be featured on the podcast. Do you guys have anything you want to plug today? Uh, yeah, you can check out uh, my podcast, which Eric is always a co-host, I suppose, um, over at anchor.fm. And uh, you can search Comic Zombie. I believe it's actually anchor.fm slash Comic Zombie. Uh, yep. We talk about comic books, comic book movies, nerdy bullshit, general movies, all kinds of crap. Uh, I'm Justin Aki. You can catch me on Instagram at Significant Otterco, uh, where right now I'm currently going to be tearing out the van I bought to make into a camper van, so I might post some more photos tomorrow. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, is this the cat bus? <laughs> yeah, this is a cat bus. I bought a big old 2001 Dodge Ram van. I put a uh, Totoro sticker on the back because it's painted gray and it's a big beast. Uh, I also wanted to call out Aaron Mankey's podcast, Noble Blood, the first episode being about Marie Antoinette and the time before when she was sentenced to death and between her death, it was about 14 months. And so she was in a prison. She lost all her hair. She was separated from her kids. So it's, it's a very like it's the other side of the take. That's why I'm kind of more leaning towards she was a victim, too, even though she was you know, spoiled. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like it's worth checking out. Yeah. And if you want to check me out, you can either go to my website, Twimby podcast. That's T W I M B podcast.com. Uh, you can find me everywhere on social media at Twimby podcast. Episode four is hopefully dropping on time on Monday where I will be doing a deeper dive into Osama Tezuka's metropolis, the anime. Uh, my last episode was on the manga, but I, it's not going to be strictly Japanese related. But, you know, that was my history growing up. So that is what I know the best. But uh, yeah, check that out and watch my podcast yeah. bloom. It's great so far. You're only a few episodes in and uh, you already got it down like it. it I want to say it took us like nine episodes before, you know, <laughs> you know, we even rem and we st we're still I, <laughs> figuring out the format. Like <laughs> I have listened to, fortunately, um, like Shortbox and uh, Straight Chillin here in Jack's. Um, I've listened to a lot of their content as well as a couple of others like random podcasts. And it's one of those where essentially the reason I started my podcast was one day I was like, you know, there are some things that I don't like about their podcast. <laughs> I love them and I would absolutely recommend their podcast to anyone, but for my taste and how I like to present things. So then even the structure was the same as it's like, what do, what do I enjoy and what do I dislike about how they structure yeah. things? And I mean, it's still a learning thing. I'm not judging myself too harshly, but, you know, I definitely appreciate the input, but know that it's because I don't like something about Potter. <laughs> no, as, as an, I'm an anime outsider. I don't watch anime. I still listen to your podcast because you are enthusiastic about it, that I will listen to your description of it. Hell, I listen to oh, nice. uh, a, a sneaker podcast for that same reason, because I'm like, I don't care about sneaker Oh, culture, man. But I really like the podcaster host. It's a good guy. He gets good interviews, too, so... Yeah. Enthusiasm counts more than anything. It definitely, definitely. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, so throughout the season, we're going to have you, the listeners, decide on who is the most epic fail of history. And what we've done is we've narrowed down 12 categories of contenders to face off each month in this single elimination bracket. The bracket, the bracket of, of fails. fails. So yeah, before next month's episode, head on over to social media to vote for who you think is the worst, the worst, and let us know why. And tell us if there's anyone missing. We got Egyptian pharaohs, ancient conquerors, Roman emperors, American presidents, uh, medieval kings, Vikings and warlords, uh, infamous traitors, corrupt businessmen, bad generals, lost explorers, terrible dictators. Then we got a bonus category for just random fails, like just people who failed at life. I'll point out to our listeners that uh, Eric is an author. You got Chris really likes comic books. Corey's an anime and a photographer. I'm a graphic designer. We're not sports people. So if this bracket doesn't make sense, <laughs> we don't care. Basically. <laughs> like I said, head to social media and we'll have uh, polls there. And make sure to share that you uh, submitted and uh, get some other people to do it for yeah, you Yeah, definitely. It's good. Uh, you know, could be fun. <laughs> we'll see what happens. You know, I have, I have a feeling that like Hitler's going to just end up defaulting as the top one but it'll be interesting if someone else takes that spot well i really appreciate you guys taking the time today thank you so much and hopefully we'll have you back on soon anytime i think i'm forced to by gunpoint uh, and contractual <laughs> obligations by by guillotine point uh, <laughs> all right adios muchachos right. deuces this has been a presentation of the we can make this work probably network Follow us on Twitter at Probably Work for more of our questionable content. Also, we have a website called probablywork.com. Okay, I just hit go on mine, so if you get a bunch of filler out, well, I'll, I'll trim my filler and bullshit. Actually, you know what? You might want to use it for something else. No, you're fine. You're fine. All right. Three, two, one, clap. I think I was a little off, but <laughs> it's fine. Listening to yeah. Epic Fails of History. And we're bad. Don't stop recording. Ah, no, no, no. Hey. Okay, out, out, out. Fine, you want to be in or out? <laughs> <laughs> it was always crazy to me how, how brutal France was. When growing up, like the stereotype in America was that there were a bunch of pansies. Okay, yeah, my cat's not going to be in the room too, so if you hear me yelling at the cat, that's what's going to be. Okay. Uh, what were you saying, Chris? Did you know that running zigzag to escape an alligator, like we were taught when we were kids, is complete and total bullshit? Is the point of fact that actually is making it significantly easier for the alligator to catch you because they can turn a hell of a lot faster than people can, even while quote unquote running with their stubby little legs. Also, uh, Corey, you're correct. I can't find a single price for a prostitute in uh, <laughs> 1780s. You I've know, been, I've I, been looking, man. I just, I, I feel really let down by world history right now. <laughs> like someone was not taking, I mean, we've got like stock prices and stuff for, you know, grain prices for hundreds of years. I feel like that would be a commodity that people would have. I feel like Benjamin Franklin would have known that. Mm. He took trips to France a lot. I'm yeah, I'm annoyed because like I what if what if this was on the James Bond episode? I would have to find a price for this. I would be really thrown <laughs> off. I'm the numbers guy. Don't stop recording. Maybe I should just hit pause. Eric, what do you think? Oh, I want to hit it so bad. Drinking a beer, waiting for the link. Well, this is exciting. Man, look at my levels. This thing's quiet. I love it. I like it a lot. Did you know that the letter Q 
is the only letter in the America, American English alphabet that is not found in any of the state's names. Even Z, J, X, letters that are barely ever seen anywhere else. Texas, New Mexico, New Jersey, Arizona. Only the letter Q. Say, the price of my love's not a price that you're willing to pay. You'll cry, your tear will hold in the sea when you see me go by. So sad. Remember we made an arrangement when you went away. Now you're making me mad. Remember, despite our estrangement, I'm your man. You'll be back. Soon you'll see. You remember you belong to me. You'll be back. Time will tell. You remember that I served you well. Oceans rise, empires fall. We have seen each other through it all. And when push comes to shove, we have send a fully armed battalion to remind you of my love. Da 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 I'm not singing again. Sorry, Eric. But seriously, look up decimal time. It's fantastically crazy. We talked about Gundam. Yeah. Just (laughs) racks up time. Just for your information, the dot that you find located over the lowercase letter I or letter J, the little dot there, is known as a tittle. Next time, we'll be talking about the rise and fail of Rome. So stay tuned for more epic fails of history.